Hey, today we start our last week of a series we've been in titled Live Generous. And so, uh, you know, as you read through the scriptures, it doesn't take long to see that generosity is deep in the heart of God. And, uh, you know, I, I think that what we'll discover as we continue to go through the text is that in the kingdom, life's just different. There's a verse in the Proverbs that says it's, it's better to be patient than powerful, Right? And we live in this world that's been so fractured and contaminated by the enemy that he's spun everything to be in opposition to what truth really is. So we think that it'd be far better to be powerful than patient because patience is weakness. But that's not how it works in the kingdom. In, in the kingdom. And uh, the same is true about generosity in the sense of many of us think to withhold, to hang on, to store up, to accumulate is how we'll end up with more. But in the kingdom, you actually get more by giving more. It's just how it works. We, we see specifically in Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, it says this, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy lose everything. Wow. It goes on to say the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You continuously see this theme that as I give, I, I can give in confidence. I can give an assurance that the God who is uh, uh, supplied with unlimited resource will provide for me everything that I need. I've been liberated to live a generous life. This is a calling on every believer. And not we don't want to just be generous because uh, there's blessing to be found in our generosity or it's what God's instructed us to do. But as he fills us with his Holy Spirit, we're becoming more and more like Christ. We're being shaped in molded into the image. And let's be honest, the gospel is the greatest demonstration of generosity the world will ever see. For, for Jesus to leave heaven, to come to earth, to die a death that we deserved, and then allow us to sit in his place and receive the benefit of his work is mind blowing, right? In fact, it, the, the word tells us this in, in Philippians two, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. This is talking about Jesus. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Generosity is generous is who our God is. So if I'm becoming more and more like Jesus, who is the personified picture of the father, right? Then, then I should be becoming more and more generous as I grow and mature spiritually. Generosity is something that should be increasing in my own character. And so today I want to do things a little bit differently. Um, what we wanted to do, because he, here's the deal, like I, I can come in here and, and I can preach the word and teach the word, but there are just, there are, it, you know, we're a body and the body's made up of different parts and, and we all play a different part in the body. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but some people are just better at stuff than I am. <laughs> Amen. And so I think that I, I think to sit down with some people in our body who the Lord has his own relationship with, who he's cultivated uh, a character in, and to, and to pick their brains uh, as they've demonstrated Christ-like generosity in their own lives. I just spent some time in prayer this week and said, God, 
Who, who, who would you have us hear from? Like illuminate in my heart, who, who, who are people who live out that Christ-like generosity? And so we'll have representation of that. And there's more of you. Don't be getting offended if you didn't get picked because I know there's more than this, but there's uh, some specific people, I'm spitting everywhere, sorry that I feel like the Lord kind of put in my heart. And I just want to have some conversations with them today. And because I think that what they have to say is going to edify this body, right? How many know that I'm not the only one that the Lord does things through? I'm not the only one that God's going to speak through or use to edify this body. We all play a role in this body. Amen. So I want to invite to stave my man, Chris Johnson. I want to invite to stage my girl, Jess Wuckey, uh, my parents, you can take the stage, Megan Partridge, you can take the stage, and Ryan Huff, Pastor Ryan Huff. Y'all join me on the stage for a quick conversation. Sorry if, if I don't tackle you before you get up here. Um, that would be at the end, yes. This is why I need Mandy around here. This is... Come on, can we celebrate Pastor Ryan? Macy had her baby at about 11 o'clock last night. Oh, stop it. You can't be crying before we even start the conversation. I've been crying. I thought you said guys in the back and girls in the front. Well, you know, again, Man Mandy's not here, so. I actually want to chat with you first and ask you questions first, but, oh, you have a mic. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, here. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So how you feeling, Grandpa? <laughs> we, got, we got home about three o'clock um, in the morning, and I've been an emotional wreck this whole time. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. I told Mark yeah. when I walked in this morning at night, I, I didn't know if we were going to be here or not, and I told him, I was like, he said, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm like, I'm not sure that I'm going to be useful. Um, <laughs> And I, I don't have any words. Yeah. Just um, you know, we're in a we're in a generous series, and God's just faithful. Yeah, He is. Mm. He's just awesome. Yeah, and it's easy to say that in the good times and when you're celebrating, um, you know, life and stuff like that. But mm. but it is, man. He he's the author and the perfecter and the creator. And, and Macy and Peyton are doing amazing, and have a beautiful beautiful grandson who is eight eight pounds five ounces awesome. 20 and a half inches long cove wayne waterson um yeah and i'm just beaming with pride um i posted a post this morning early this morning and they got me a cup and i know i'm rambling on and i know we're in a panel here but You're they got me a cup man. and i always told them i said i'm way too young and way too cool to be a grandpa so you know y'all just hold off and enjoy your marriage for a while and so Whenever they came up, they they announced um, that they were pregnant. I always told them I was to have a cool nickname, and Macy would always say, "What's your nickname going to be, Dad?" I said, "They're going to call me Boss." <laughs> That's just mean and tough, right? You know, and and cool. And so whenever they gave me um, the announcement, they had stuck the ultrasound picture in a coffee cup that said "Boss" on it in a onesie, and um, it sat on my counter for months mm. and multiple times Mandy said how come you're not going to drink out of that I said not till he comes mm. um and this morning I, I posted on I said no Cove Wayne I said my coffee tastes a lot sweeter than it ever has this <laughs> morning good. So, good. God's good that. God's faithful yeah. and I'm, I'm I'm emotional but I'm just I'm just yeah. so thankful and grateful for, yeah. for our Lord so well those of us who have had the privilege of having a relationship with your kids man um I don't know if anybody's done it better in the room raising them up and you got some amazing kids and thank you i'm super happy for you so that's super exciting my kid took her first step last Amen. night i was yeah. pretty excited I've about that. that 
So God's moving. God's moving. Amen. <laughs> Ryan, part of the reason I, I wanted you on this panel is, uh, you know, what uh, I, I remember before uh, you kind of found out through the grapevine that we were going to be coming here about three years ago, and you were one of the first people who reached out the body of what are we going to do? What is leadership? Do What a lot of people don't know is, you know, there's this garden out here. There's the signs that have been hung up in the cafe. There's this logo hanging on the front of our church. And you would never tell us, but it's you running out, making purchases with your own money, investing your own time, hanging stuff on the building. We've had multiple conversations. You're like, I just want to be really wealthy so, so I can just give. Generosity is in your heart. You're one of the generous men, that, one of the most generous men that I know. And that's time, talent, and treasure. Uh, just being around you is, is almost convicting for me sometimes because of how generous and in, in, in how you are. So I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit, man. My first question for you is why is generosity something you value so dearly? And, and why is generosity something you're so passionate about? I think, I think for me on the financial aspect of it is I, I've been through tough times. Um, I've been broke. I've been poor. Um, I've been without and I've been lacking, you know, as a single man, but even in our marriage and stuff like that. And I've had faithful people, um, obedient followers of the faith that have have pour, poured into me and sown into me um, in times where they didn't expect to receive anything back. And it just yeah. always blew my mind, the fact that somebody could be that generous with something that they had, that that, that was theirs, you know, whether it was monetary or whatever, whatever yeah. um, that they would just freely give something to somebody who was in need. And, it, and I just remember this, always having this feeling of just this, I mean, just, just joy in my heart, you know, the, the peace that it came, not because, um, you know, Hey, somebody gave me money, but it was like, you know, they met a need. So for me, it was always this feeling of pure joy. And I always know how it made me feel. And I always wanted to pour back into people. And I love surprising people. That's my, I yeah. think one of my spiritual gifts is, um, you know, is that is, is, is generosity yeah. in that. And, uh, yeah. and so I love to surprise people. Um, <laughs> and it just, I know the way that it makes me feel. And I know that's the selfish side of it. So yeah. don't follow my, don't follow me. Um, when I say it like that, it's selfishly, but I mean, Christ gave everything. You know what I mean? He yeah. gave everything for the sake of us. And if I can give somebody back, whether it's physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, of a time, talent, and treasure like that, and it's going to bring joy to their life, and it's going to show the love of Christ through me, yeah. then by all means, I want to give everything that I have. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's not just out of the excess, but if you can see somebody that absolutely is in need, um, it's there's just there's no greater joy yeah. in that than being able to give to somebody and not expect to receive something in return just because we have the ability and the provision to be able to do so yeah. because of what God's blessed us with. Do you think that you've been generous in every season? You've had, you've, you've kind of, you know, your life has ebbed and flow from the time you were a kid. I know you traveled around a lot growing up. And so there were times where there was abundance. There was times where maybe you were living in need. Do you think generosity existed in all of those seasons in you? I think prior to my relationship with my true walk and my true, whenever I, I had my true encounter with Christ, I would probably have to just say no. Um, you know, always liked the surprise aspect of it, but um, maybe I, I relied on the fact that, oh, I don't have enough, but whenever I achieve enough or whenever I am wealthy, then I'll be able to give. And I yeah. think, you know, when you read the scriptures and you see this whole thing, this kingdom culture, it's a paradox. Yeah. I mean, the word says die to live. Well, that right. doesn't make sense. Right. And it says give to receive. Right. Um, you know, you, you brought 
brought that up all ago, and it yeah. just doesn't make sense to 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 our flesh in that in that aspect of hey, if I got to give everything, if I got to die to myself to live. Um, but I think once you actually achieve that 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 resolution or that that in your mind that it's just like oh my gosh, and once you kind of receive that, it's yeah. like. Hey, okay, I understand this. And it's not, it's not, I was telling my guys at Life Group Thursday night, it's not I give a dollar expecting to receive $10 back. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, hey, God says to give and I'm going to give freely no matter what that means. So yeah. I think for me in different seasons, I would have to say probably not. But I think since my walk ha- has grown and I've matured in the faith, it's just to the point where it's just, it's, it's doing it on faith. Yeah, you it's know? good. It's on faith. So putting your pastor hat on for this question what would you say to somebody in the room um, who is a believer in the room who's struggling to be generous or they don't prioritize the spiritual discipline of generosity? Man, you know, what this kind is of t- exhortation would you this give? Is a, this is a tough one because, you know, I mean, <laughs> you see... You see the church and all you hear is money, 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 and, and, you know, and there's been, you know, pastors that have abused that and all that kind of stuff, but... Yeah. I'm going to tell, I don't know if John Catterley's in the room this morning or not, but I'm going to tell a story on him. When I first started at Show Me Power, um, we were driving down the road, and we seen a young man standing on the side of the road, you know, had a sign and all that kind of stuff. And John was kind of new in the faith, and um, he, was making, he, he was making leaps and bounds in that. And he rolled the window down and made some comment to this guy. And I'm like, dude, come on, man. You know, you can't do that. For one word of company vehicle, and I'm not, I know I'm telling on him right now. It wasn't you who did it. It, it was, was not John. me. Yeah, um, right. You know, and he's like, well, he's just going to he's just going to abuse it. And I said, that's not for you to decide. Yeah. That's not for you to decide. I said, if, if God tells you to give, you're to give unknowingly. That's good. You know, the word tells you don't, you know, give with one hand, but don't let the other hand know what you're doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I told him that. I said, it, it, it's God's responsibility. It's your responsibility as a, as a follower to give in the capacity in which God tells you to give. And it's not your responsibility to say how it's designated or how it's used for. And it's so funny because nine or 10 years later now, we'll see stuff. And John always reminds me of that. He'll see somebody. Yeah. Um, now I'm not saying go down to the road every single, you know, person, a beggar you see on the street and just start freely giving all your money away. I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying that, but if God convicts your heart, I'm um, in that capacity to be able to give, give, cause you're missing out on a blessing. I mean, we've received yeah. so much and I know you, you should not have asked me this question and gave me the microphone here. Cause we have too many people up here and I'm a pastor and y'all know I like to talk. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I think it's, I think it's important for our walk. And I think ultimately once you receive the understanding that it's not yours anyway, that yeah. God's given you every single bit of it, it's his yeah. and that he gave it to you to be a steward over. Yeah. And whenever you steward that in a capacity of which he is able to take it and magnify it, yeah. man, you, you're missing out on such a blessing because it's such a blessing to be able to give. Um, I wasn't planning this, but you, you had talked, we talked a little bit last week. You read the parable um, in Mark 12 um, about the widow's, uh, the widow's mites yeah. um, and how she gave everything she had. They were the Pharisees that were giving um, just freely in their excess, but she gave everything she had. And in between services, Mark and I met in his office and I said, um, man, that's a great encouraging story, right? We're to give everything that we had. And this lady gave everything um, that she was able to give. And that's just encouraging, inspiring. But I told Mark, I said, but what if it's the church's responsibility? What if the church had been doing what they were supposed to be doing the whole time for the orphans and for the widows? This woman would have never been poor and she would have never had to give her last. And if we come together corporately and have the understanding that it's not ours and we are a body of believers, I think God can multiply this to where there's not anybody in need. So just a little different spin on, you know, that parable. And I was one more thing and I'm done. I promise I'm getting, I'm, I'm done. I don't know if I believe you, but go ahead. (laughs) 
So I was at my life group the other day, and um, you know we're kind of talking about generosity and going on, and, and I always take my notebook with me, and, and I'm sitting there, and I flipped open, and this envelope falls out. <clears throat> we received this envelope months ago yeah. with the $20 bill. Every single person that came into this church received an envelope with a $20 bill, and they were told to go out and meet a need in the community. And two months later, as I'm sitting there, this falls out of my book, and just in the middle of it just happened while we were in the life group. And I said, I've had this for two months. I was given this to give away, and I've done absolutely nothing with it. To be honest, I forgot about it. And I mean, the conviction came over me. And we've received the the greatest thing you said a while ago was the greatest gift that we've ever received was the gospel of Christ yeah, and that he yeah. gave freely to do that. And just because you don't have the opportunity to give financially, you've been given, if you're a follower and a believer, you've been given the greatest gift that you could ever imagine. Don't hold on to it and stick it in a binder and do absolutely nothing with it. Good. Go That's and good. give freely. He's given us everything we have yeah. to be able to give to expand his kingdom. That's good. I love I'm that. done preaching. Great I'm done. All right. Give that mic to Megan Partridge right here. Appreciate you, Pastor Ryan. Megan Partridge, I'm, I'm sitting at my desk. You were one of the first people that popped into my mind. And uh, I, I think it's maybe over a little two years ago, you guys started coming here, and it was uh, Mother's Day two years ago. We did a panel and kind of cracked open this whole mission and um, pursuit of foster care in this church. And so I think that we've kind of connected on some of that. And you run an organization in town called The Forgotten Initiative. And I met with you and Pam, and I know you've kind of taken over the reins from Pam, who also attends our church. And uh, you guys gave me the tour of this building. And so it's right next to the Mac where we used to meet. And so they have these different rooms and, and essentially, well, I'll let you answer the question but because I'm going to ask you, but I, I remember following you around and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and you're explaining everything that you do. And I know that everything this organization provides to specifically the foster care community, and you're doing all of it on a volunteer basis. And I'm like, oh my word. It, you know, I just talked about how your generosity convicts me, but I was convicted following you around this building. Like, I can't believe this woman does all of this. And just out of the goodness of your heart. So uh, to, to get everybody caught up, my first question for you is, can you explain, this is a multi-part question here. So explain what Forgotten Initiative is, why it exists, and then maybe a little bit of like the processes you have to do to make that ministry happen. So we're a faith-based, Christian-based ministry. We started in 2016. Pam Chapman was attending Hillside Christian Church as the same as myself. Yeah. And uh, she approached me and said, hey, I'm going to start this. And what are your thoughts? And um, I myself, sorry, I myself was part of um, the foster care community. Uh, I was a kinship parent to two girls who had lost both of their parents. Wow. And uh, they came to us, my husband and I, with absolutely nothing. And to watch what they had to go through and what they did. Whenever Pam came to me and approached me, I was like, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Because there was nothing like that for us whenever um, we came into, you know, the foster care community. Yeah. And it is a community. It yeah, is for sure. about these kids. Um, but she approached me and was like, hey, you want to be a volunteer and you want to help with Christmas and we're having parties and we're doing this. And 
you know, I had to talk to my husband for a little bit about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he was actually, he was the one who was like, yep, let's do this. Yeah, and, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, we helped in several different ways with volunteering. But her, her ministry started off with, you know, just helping where she could with uh, the caseworkers okay. and making them feel appreciated. And then it went to um, having Christmas parties in a resource closet, which was open in 2017. Okay. And then that resource closet grew, yeah. grew faster than what we yeah. ever would have thought. Yeah. And it was all donated from the community. It was yeah. not any anything that we did. Of course, we run our funds in the best that we can. Yeah. But um, it was all of the community coming together, churches, um, organizations, just raising money for us to provide for these kids. Yeah. Um, before COVID, we had about 80 kids in care. After COVID or during COVID, it was 180 kids in wow. care. Um, luckily, those numbers are coming down. Yeah. A lot of families are getting reunited. Yeah. And that closet has been such a blessing to each of us. Yeah. I have um, a group of ladies who serve with me. Yeah. And give up their time and their talents. Yeah. And they, for them, I watch them grow and grow each and every day, um, helping this community. Some of them have never been part of the foster care community, and so they don't understand the needs and to watch them see those needs and and give those needs. But our resource closet, as you were saying, you were overwhelmed. A lot of people get overwhelmed. Um, yeah, I wanted you to talk about, yeah. so, because you say closet, and, and we don't know what yeah. that means. So yeah. right next to the Mac, mm-hmm. what's, what's in the closet, and, so, ha- and what is it for? In the closet is aisle, let's see, roll. <laughs> everything <laughs> in the closet. Everything, everything you would absolutely need to provide for a family. Yeah. Um, from... Undergarments to shoes to bedding to beds themselves. Toys. Toys. Diapers. Yeah, diapers. Yeah. Because what people yeah. don't don't always think about is, you know, all of a sudden, like for us, mm-hmm. I, I was walking out of the CrossFit gym and I got a text from my wife and she's like, hey, we're going to pick up a one-year-old and a two-year-old in Branson tonight. And it's like, okay, well, I don't have a, I don't have a crib. I don't have clothes. I don't have shoes. So... That's and that's what I love about this. You walk into this and it's like, you know, Walmart for foster families of you can get anything and everything you need. And their lives changed. You went yes. from having a teenager to having two little ones. Yes, well, for sure. Sometimes when those teenagers go home or they go to another place and you get the young ones. Yeah. You're like, I don't have a crib. Right. And you don't have the amount of money to provide for them at that time. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand it takes months to get resources and financial yes. from the government. Yes. Because we all love how fast government works. Right, right. But, <laughs> but it's just we're there for the in-between. We're there for the resources. We're yep. there because our community is supporting us and helping us. So you have people, they'll come, they'll come, they'll bring. Uh, just recently, we dropped off mm-hmm. boxes, and there's clothes and there's toys. So people bring their stuff to the closet, whether it's organizations or it's families or individuals, and then what happens from that point on? 
So you dropped off the other day. Yep. And it was a it's this tub of toys. <laughs> Just you don't have to talk about what's what's in, what was in the tub, okay? Listen, we donated. No, no, That's what's important. You. I'm gonna tell okay. You. I'm gonna tell. So there are frozen dolls. Frozen, yeah. Yeah. The frozen dolls and stuff like that in there. And this little girl came in, and she doesn't have any toys. She went with her grandma, and she went in through that tub. Even before my volunteers could go through it to, you know, get it, hmm. look through. And she grabbed and she's like, I've never had one of these. Can wow. I have it? Wow. And uh, that's happened multiple times in yeah. different scenarios. But you didn't know what you were doing when you were bringing it. Yeah. But you have made the world for that girl. It's so good. Yeah. Well, we're able to do it because of the time you invest. Yeah. Just and I and I know you don't do it for this reason, but mm-hmm. at, you know, if you had to put a number of hours on what you sow into this organization weekly, and I know it probably ebbs and flows. What would you say the median number is? Um, well, my husband may disagree, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a twenty-four-seven. Yeah, it really is. Phones it's, constant. It's, yes. Whenever people need, you don't know when kids are going to be brought in. Right. So that leads me to mm-hmm. my my final question for you is all this work to, to, to bring in stuff, to sort it, to put it on shelves, to organize the room, to open the building so families can come in, to take the phone calls, all of that mm-hmm. on a volunteer basis for the most part, um, or entirely. Entirely. In, entirely, I don't, I don't get you're not getting paid to do it. No. Why? Why? Um, a lot of, from the history, but also just like, to see those faces of children and like he was talking about taking care of orphans orphans mm. just to watch them walk in or even moms and dads that are trying to get their kids back yeah to watch them walk in even that first time i i just i just love what god is doing yeah i love what god is doing through me I'm not doing it. Yeah. He's, he's using me. I'm just a tool. Yeah. I, I am just a tool. I'm just here for him to provide to others yeah. and to show Christ. Yeah. My, my hope is that for the way you bless the amount of people you do, and I know that he will, but I pray that you just get an outpouring from heaven over your life in, in all areas. And I hope that everything that you've invested to give out comes back on you tenfold. And I really believe it will. So give that mic to Jess Wucky, all right? Well, she's already going. Before, go ahead, go before ahead. Before I say, yeah. um, there's, there's, we also help with resources outside of TFI. Yeah. Um, Conway School has these angels and they're needing help. They don't have enough resources okay. for it. And then also Niangua, Bailey, um, her class for shoes. Yeah. 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 So. Cool. I think the shoes are purchased. I think a life group in the church got some of the shoes taken care of. And so, yeah, that's good. So you're trying to get rid of those angels that you're holding? Okay. Are Have anyone taken those? Okay. Well, if two things. If you want to help Meg sort, serve. If you're looking, if you have a life group, if you uh, have a group of kids that you're leading or you need a community service outreach or something, find Meg. And then if you want to help her purchase gifts, find her after and, and hook her up and she'll get you hooked up. All right. Jess Wucky, 
you are special to the whole Gri Griffith family. We are big Jess Wucky fans. We love you so much. So uh, you, you were, you know, we were here. We didn't even have our house unloaded. I think it was the first day we moved to Marshfield in the Wucky, in their white Honda Pilot pull up and the whole clan jumps out and you guys drop off a five course meal in our house and skate off. And that's just a small picture of who you guys are. And I know that you're not just special to us, but I, I don't know, there's this measure of grace on your life in, in that area of generosity where I think there's multiple people in the room would uh, be willing to attest that their interactions with you and their relationship with you is meaningful to them and they've been impacted by the person that you are. So I was uh, really happy to get you on this panel specifically, not necessarily because of um, your generosity financially or you serve every week, you know, your generosity to serve in the church, but all those things exist and I'm not saying that they're not there, but you have this unique ability to exert yourself emotionally. And I know that might sound weird, but just, and, and Eric's like this too, but you'll walk into a room and it's not about you. It's about, I want other people to see to feel seen, to, to feel loved. I, I watch you on Facebook, just like a maniac. You'll comment on everything. You'll encourage people. I see the text messages that you'll, you'll send my wife and I know you're sending them to others. And it's, you're the person who in Walmart, I walk into Walmart and I'm like, okay, my headphones are in. I don't see anybody. And you'll stop and you'll, and you'll have the conversations. And because it, you know, the way that you love, you love people. Well, you just, you love people. Well, and I think that, you know, it, yes, there's a special grace on your life to do that, but I want you to bring us in on some of that so, so we can grow in that area because I think that, you know, two things that Jesus really cares about is us loving God and us loving people. So what, what I want to ask you is, is your willingness to invest in others, to love on others, to encourage others, to take the extra time for others, is all of that in your relationship with Jesus and who he is are those things connected? Are they correlated? Do you treat people the way you treat people because of your relationship with Jesus? There's a button on there, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, well, I mean, like Brian talked about, you know, we're all given like gifts. Yeah. And um, I think God had given me a gift of, you know, um, serving yeah. and encouraging yeah. and, um, but as, you know, my relationship deepens with God, I just, I think that it's more of an outpouring of yeah. what he's done for me yeah, and the grace good. that he's lavished on my life. And, um, you know, it's, I don't know, I've just been given so much and I want others to feel loved yeah. and um, know yeah. that they are worth something. Yeah. So. Well, I definitely feel like those who are involved with you in any sort of capacity sense that and they and they've experienced that with you um you know but i think there's a lot of people where it's easy like you said it's a gift and it totally is there's a grace on your life and we all have different fabrics of how we're knit together and your strengths aren't necessarily my strengths and i understand that but sometimes i think we uh say well that's not one of my strengths and so we grieve the Holy Spirit and we don't allow him to cultivate something in us because uh, that's not one of my strengths. And it's like, well, you can still 
be kind. You can still emotionally exert yourself, even if it's uncomfortable, even if that's not how you operate uh, naturally, because uh, it's, it's not about our strengths. It's about the spirit of God and what he's doing in us. So what would you say? You can put your pastor hat on here for a second. And I, I don't think we always recognize uh, the importance of uh, our, our words and the encouragement of our words and the use of our words and the power that's behind those things. So what would you say to believers um, who exempt themselves from doing so because they're not an expressive person. I'm not an expressive person, so I don't, I don't have that uh, emotional exertion, which I think really is worship to the Lord. What would you say? Um, and, well, and, and let me ask you this, and do you always feel like doing that? No, there are days where I Yeah, don't. there's some faithfulness <laughs> there, right? I it's mean, not being fake, it's being faithful. Come on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are days where I'm like, oh, I just don't want to, you know, go out or I just like I just want to stay home. I yeah. don't want to talk to anyone, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I go out and I make the effort, I'm blessed, you yeah, know. I mean, good. like yeah. I don't know, just something shifts in you. Yeah. And um, you know, you asked about um, what would I tell those who say that, you know, they don't have that gifting or they don't feel called to do that. Yeah. Well, what are we focusing on right there? We're focusing on Self. ourselves. Yeah, and sure. that's not what God has called us to do. Right. He's called us to serve. Right. That's and good. so um, shifting your mind, you know, yeah. um, that it's not about me. It's yeah. about others. I love it. I love it. Nice and convicting. Very good. All right. Appreciate you, Jess Bucky. Chris Johnson, I want to talk to you, man. Um, Paul talks about, I believe, in 2 Corinthians. He's like, man, he, he's addressing the church, and he's like, your lives are like letters written by the Holy Spirit. And bro, when I, when I see you, when I interact with you, and I see you just about on a weekly basis, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I just... I, I see you and I see the faithfulness of God. Like I see you and I see the power of God. I, I, I interact with you and it's just a totally transformed life. And I just feel like you're so full of Jesus that you're just a joy to be around. Like I could hang out with you all day, you know, I, I really feel like that. So um, I think one of the greatest gifts, you, you talked about it at the beginning, is just this gospel message that we carry. The, the most generous thing that we could do to anybody is, is to share that gospel message. And, you know, the scriptures are so clear to talk about how there's power in the blood of the lamb, who is Jesus and the word of our testimony. And so, man, I just want you to share. I think one way that you could be generous to this room is to share your testimony of what has Jesus done in you and through you. Okay. Um, it's kind of long, so <laughs> well, I'll try to get through it as quick as possible. All right. Um, growing up, I don't remember many happy times as a child. I'm from Wichita, Kansas. My stepdad was very abusive physically, mentally, and verbally. He was always mad. I couldn't do things like walk around the house freely or talk to my mom because I would get cussed out and beat if I did. I used to have to peek around around uh, corners of the house to signal my mom without him knowing to come talk to me so I could ask her a question or talk to her at all. I was always scared. I remember when I heard footsteps and the floor was shaking, I knew he was coming to beat us. I was always scared all the time. Not so much because he was going to beat me, but I would have to hear my brother while he did it to him. 
I could never have friends over because he wouldn't allow it. But I didn't really want friends to come around anyway. I didn't want them to see what was happening and tell everybody. He was never abusive when we had company, though. When I was 11 years old, I remember the last time he was beating me with the board, and the board broke because I wouldn't cry. So he hit me so hard, the board eventually broke. He never hit me again after that. Because of the abuse, I isolated and avoided getting close to anybody and was too shy to talk to or trust anybody. I started hanging out with the bad kids, like gang members and such, because I thought they would accept me, and they did. My seventh grade summer, I drank my first bottle of alcohol. I was 12 years old. I'll never forget how it made me feel, like I could do anything. I could talk to people, I had friends, everybody liked me, and I was finally comfortable in my own skin. I started failing in school, so my parents kicked me out at 15. I started staying with friends, drinking and smoking weed on a daily basis. This behavior carries on throughout my teenage years. I turned 18, and now drinking and weed just isn't enough. I have a party, and my friends bring some cocaine and meth. I was hooked instantly, getting into trouble all the time, in and out of jail and inpatient and outpatient treatment programs. I used what my stepdad did to me as an excuse to mess up my life, and I gave the next 25 years of my life to jails and institutions. Mm. I learned a lot of tools to fight my addiction in them places, but I was trying to apply them tools myself instead of turning my will over to God. Mm. When I wasn't locked up, I was high on anything I could get my hands on. If it was in front of me, I was doing it. In 2014, my mom is diagnosed with cancer. I blame God for this. I'm 35, still drinking at least a half gallon of vodka a day, using meth and using meth. I get a message on Facebook. The message says, hi, Chris, I think I'm your Aunt Cindy Cantrell. I know now what God was doing in this. At this time, I never met my real dad or family. We talked for a few weeks, and eventually she invited me to come to Niangua to meet my real dad and the rest of my family, so I went. It's funny because even though I never knew my real dad, I followed in his footsteps. So yes, I believe in generational curses. In 2016, I moved here and eventually got my mom and brother to move here as well. I'm still drinking and using drugs. I get into trouble, trouble here. I'm in jail one night. I'm facing 25 years in federal prison. I remember I was in the shower. I started praying. I told God, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't control my life. And I asked him to take over. I remember waking up the next morning in jail, and even though I was in jail, I was content and had a feeling that no matter what happened, I was going to be okay. It's really hard to explain the feeling. I guess peace explains it best. After three months in jail, I go to court and take a plea deal and get out on five years probation. I moved, I moved in with my Aunt Cindy and Uncle Dan. I knew I believed in God, but didn't really know Jesus. My Aunt Cindy buys me a Bible and journal. She discipled me. They bring me to Destiny Church. Actually, on the same day, Pastor Mark and Abigail are announcing they're going to be our pastors in 2019. I go to Men's Encounter, and wow, did the Lord do something in me. I just couldn't believe the way I felt. I wanted to feel like that forever. I forgave my stepdad and got baptized May 18, 2019. Wow. My mom passed away a few days later. I know my mom believed and was raised Catholic, but never talked about Jesus or was religious or practicing. Mm. I was holding her hand, and the last words I would hear my mom say was, thank you, Jesus. I wonder if in that moment she saw Jesus or if it was because I told her I gave my life to Christ. Mm. Six months later, I moved out of my aunt and uncle's into my own place. I still love Jesus, 
But something in my head told me I could have the things of my flesh that my flesh desired and Jesus. We all know who that was. The devil is a liar. Yeah. I started drinking again and quit coming to church because I felt so guilty and shameful. And before you know it, I'm right back using meth again. I was using again, I was using it again, but it wasn't the same. Something just felt different. It wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't the same because I wasn't the same. I was trying, I was made new, but still trying to do old things. I'm not only using meth, I'm selling it as well. December 8th, 2020, I got a knock on the door. It's my PO doing the home visit with two police officers. They search my house, find drugs, arrest me, and take me to jail. I got out a couple hours later, but now facing a parole violation. That following Sunday in December, I was back in church. I remember New Year's Eve 2020. I spent the whole day worshiping and praising him. Then the last song I listened to before I went to bed, I was standing up in my living room. I put my hands in the air and I took a deep breath and just stood there with my hands in the air and all of a sudden I felt something. It wasn't goosebumps. It was so amazing and overwhelming, it felt like my body couldn't handle it and only God could turn it off. I said, God, you are real. I was numb with joy, love, peace, and crying and laughing all at the same time. That moment made, I made a promise to God. I was going to spend the next year of my life getting to know Jesus. Mm. I fasted in 2021 in prayer. I asked for God to make the violation go away. The probation violation disappeared. Wow. I don't know if that's the right way to fast, but it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I got to try that. Yeah. I, I got off parole in November of 2021, two and a half years early. Wow. I am off parole and a free man. When I say free man, I mean totally freedom. Only Jesus can give. I was the type of guy that didn't trust anybody, especially men, and I definitely wouldn't open up or be vulnerable to them or hug them or anything like that. I was very shy and reserved and isolated my whole life. Jesus changed that. It's good. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I love being around people. I smile. I enjoy serving the Lord, and my obedience has turned into love and a need for Jesus. By the way, next month I'll be two years clean for the first time in 30 years. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. You need proof that God exists. You're looking at it. Because all the decisions I made in my addiction, I severed my relationships with my daughters. My oldest is 23. I've never met her. My youngest is 19. I've only met her once, and it was seven years ago. January 2022, I fasted again and prayed for God to restore my relationships with my daughters. The last week of the fast, I got a message on Facebook. It was my youngest daughter. She said she wants to find her sister. We have a good relationship today and talk every week. I believe God is going to use her to find my oldest and bring us all together. Yeah. If not, he's already did more than enough, and he is faithful. The curse on my family of abandoning fathers, alcoholism, and drug addiction ends with me. My grandkids will know Jesus. That's good. Come on, baby. I love it. Preach, boy. I love that, man. You can see, uh, yeah, God revealing himself to you in powerful ways and outpourings of his spirit in certain moments and just meeting you along the way, man. And, uh, you know, we did Cindy's funeral probably about a year ago now. So uh, rest in peace, Cindy, but so grateful for her investment and her investment lives on even after her death. So that's beautiful, definitely, man. Definitely. Um, you know, one thing you've done as, as you've come out, as you've continued to grow, is you've stayed tightly tethered to the local church. And there's not a week that you're not serving, right? So that's just my last question for you. 
is, is why is that something you're so passionate about? And how has the willingness to bless others really been a blessing to you in return? Um, Hebrews 13, 16. And don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Mm. I think that's it right there. That's you good. Know, just to please him. Um, I don't have answers for why I do the things I do sometimes. I'm different than yeah. I used to be. Yeah, it's good. And I can't explain that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to explain, but when I gave my life to Christ, uh, something happened that made me different. I was always an introvert. When I asked him to deliver me from that, he spoke to me and said, serve me. When God speaks to me, it's a tug. That tug could be telling me to raise my hands in worship and give it all to him. That tug could mean signing up to usher or join a life group or help with will fed. Yeah. Today, I don't ignore the tug. I trust it and get out the booth. You preached the message on how Jesus told uh, Matthew, I think it was, yeah. to follow him, but he had to get out of the booth first. Yeah. We have to do the same. It's good. When others see you serving or unloading a food truck, you think people don't notice, but they do. Sometimes we can't talk to people or, ch- or tell them about Jesus, but we can make sure they see, us, see him in our actions. Yeah. That obedience and love and willingness sparks an interest in others. Yeah, it's good, man. I remember that Sunday. I was in the drum cage. Pastor Ryan came up on stage, right? That was it. Yeah. yeah. With Levi in the booth. Yeah. That's good. Well, thanks for sharing this morning, man. Love You're welcome. You. You're welcome. Yeah. Love watching what God's doing in you and through you. All right, mom and dad. Um, I love you guys. You are definitely uh, significant to us. Your mic's upside down, mom, I think. But you'll take care of it. That's fine. Um, Part of the reason I wanted to bring you guys up on this panel is I think it's important that we hit all demographics. And so you guys are in a season of life where you're retired, you're empty nesters. Uh, We know Jackie struggled with that a little bit, but, you know, got to let them fly, right? Got to let them fly. So... But even in a season where it would be easy for you, where there isn't as much responsibility, the responsibility of maintaining your career and in performance at work and raising your kids and making sure that they have everything they need immediately, you know, directly in your home. Um, one thing that you guys have continued to do is invest in that next generation. And, and when it would be easy for you to just say, all right, we're done, like our, our role here is done, there's still this um, exertion from you to still be mom and dad to your kids and then to live out this uh, grandfather and grandma role. And so you're, you're taking in your grandkids and you're staying heavily involved and you're investing in us in that way. So um, if you could speak into the grandparent generation in the room, Okay, so Pastor Ryan, you're a part of this now, brother. Yep, yep. <laughs> Who might find themselves in this season of maybe less responsibility than ever before. Maybe they find themselves in this thinking, in the season thinking like, what now? Um, how, how can the older generation continue living out their generosity? And how would you remind them that their role is still significant in the family and in the body? Prayer. Um, it's prayer. When the glasses go on, you know it's about to get real. <laughs> Did y'all see that? <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> Sound effects and all. Um, I, I just can't say enough about prayer. It is, I don't like the word magic, but it is the magic. Mm. You have got 
I call myself the Chihuahua. It's called Chihuahua Prayers. You go to the throne, and he's like, she's back. (laughs) Yep, there's a thing as Chihuahua Prayers. I don't know where that is in the Bible, but it's there. (laughs) The message translation. You got to pray. And... Part of Noah's Ark. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> it's a Genesis if, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to share something with you in Revelation, and I've never heard this preached on. Mm. The prayer bowls in heaven. Mm. It's in Revelation five eight. They accumulate, and I have a bowl on my mantle in my house, and you got to fill it. You never stop praying. If you don't believe in prayer, then you don't believe in God. Mm. You got to believe. And if God's word says it, you can stand on it. Mm. And we pray for our kids and our grandkids. We pray for those in the womb, those that aren't even here yet. And we do break generational curses, brother. Yes, sir. And what he said, I'm going to be a grandpa. Hallelujah. Because that's what Satan wants to take away. Mm. He wants to take away your babies. And your grandkids and your kids. Mm. And when you become a parent, you don't care about yourself as much anymore. You just want everything for your kids. It's good. And you know, I almost died. I had AFib a while ago and I almost died. And I was on the table and my heart wasn't resetting. I was only like 46 years old and I had four kids and I was drinking. I had a problem with alcohol for a while Mm. and I made a vow to God. I said, God, I said, you keep me here. He was so unhappy with me, and I knew it, and I was disobedient. Mm. And I made a vow to God that I said, I got my kids. I said, don't you send me up to heaven. I will drive you crazy. (laughs) And he said, you're already driving me crazy. (laughs) And I said, we're going to make a deal. No, God, you you can take her, God. You You can take her, God. Listen, you need me. You don't know that yet. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. You have to pray. And I said, God, you keep me here. I don't want to go home. Mm. He's like, well, I don't know if I really want you here yet either. I said, let's make a deal. I said, you keep me here. And every day I vow to do something for you. And I pray. Mm. We have miracles in my house. Mm. Abby's one of them. Mm. I'm here. God is a God of miracles, and his word stands true. If God says it, you can believe it, and you can stand on it. And it comes with your faith. Listen, you can listen to the enemy. Don't. Mm. Do not listen to him. He got nothing. Mm. And he don't get you, he don't get your kids, and he don't get your grandkids. We are not doing the Satan dance. No. Listen. God's word is for you. He loves you. He cares about you. And his word is true. He does not lie. And if there's something in your life and you want those blessings, he loves you. You may have to wait. Don't give up. Don't give in. And I said to God, you keep me here. I said, and every day, I said, I'm going to do something for you. And you keep me here for my kids because they need you and they need the wisdom of grandparents. And grandparents, I am going to challenge you today and parents, you better be praying for your kids and don't you ever 
ever give up on them. It's good. I like that. God will never give up on you, and you don't give up on them. It's you good. stand in the gap, and you put a stake in the ground, and you fight like hell. Yeah. And that's not a swear word the way I just said it. Because mm. <laughs> hell is a force Hell's to be fighting. reckoned Hell's with, fighting. as we all yeah. say. So I could go on and on about prayer. Yeah, it's good. I love that. I, th- I think that is a great contribution. And when I sent you those questions, I didn't even really think about that. But 100%, I, I think that's really powerful. I appreciate you sharing that. Can I just finish about the prayer bowl? Because I started that and I go, go ahead. You got so 30, 30 seconds. I want right? you all to get a prayer bowl and put it on your mantle, put it on your kitchen counter. Our prayers accumulate. There are bowls in heaven which are prayers that are stored. God has something in which he stores our prayers and releases them at the right time. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's you. You're a saint. Imagine that. Revelation 8, 3 through 5. And another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer. And much incense was given to him that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, and he filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake when enough prayer is accumulated, he releases the power and mixes it in the bowl of fire. Mm. This is in Revelation 8, 3 through 5. Wow. Prayers are real. And when those prayer bowls are full, guess what? They tip and they hit the earth. Mm. And you know when it happens, mm. something amazing happens. And it's because of you saying your prayers, filling those prayer bowls. Don't ever give up and don't you ever give in. And those children are yours and you plead the blood of Jesus over them, and you claim them for the kingdom, Satan has no dominion, no authority, and no power over them, ever. Yeah. And I get an amen in the house. Amen. Amen. All right, Dad, I'm going to ask you a different question, and then that'll wrap it up. But thanks for sharing, Mom. I love that. Amen. Uh, Powerful. Thank you for asking me. So, uh, Dad, can you just speak into the importance of, even as the kids grow, even as you move into the season where the grandkids are coming, um, can you speak to the importance of continuing to be mom and dad even as your kids grow and begin to have their own children? Yeah. And how can you be generous with that role? So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. Um, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, uh, you know, to back this up. And, yeah. Um, I just I love living by God's word. Yeah. You know, it's just it, you can't go wrong in the direction. This is the uh, the guide for life in. Uh, in Psalms 71, 17 through 18, uh, since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation. Um, we got to share our story of faith. You know, I think uh, when you kids were little, um, I shared my journey with you yeah and if if you've heard my testimony uh it's pretty similar to the guy in back of me here uh and i the lord saved me you know and uh, did a change so i i was able to share that with you guys yeah and uh you you know you share to try to help the next generation you know be supportive fill in the gaps uh, when you see a train coming at them that's going to, you know, 
yeah. crush them, you know, let them, let them know and, and try to help them. And, you know, your kids don't always listen to you. Um, but after a while, they, the older they get, <clears throat> they start to listen to you more. Yeah. Because, you know, you love them and you're trying to help them. Uh, so I think that's a huge role. Yeah. And sure. then now the grandchildren are coming. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, I'm finding grandchildren listen to the grandparents better than they listen to the parents. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that was true for me when I was little, too. I, my grandparents said something. I'd be like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, so you really have a chance to, uh, to have a great effect. Um, and uh, we talked about generational sin. Um, probably everyone in this room you know, might have something in your lives that's from previous generations. I do. Uh, and I, you know, when I started learning, uh, you know, being a father and reading the Bible, I was like, oh, I wasn't raised this way. And I'm like... I'm going to break this for the next generation. Yeah. Like me and my wife are going to break this for our children. Yeah. And that next generation after our children is our grandchildren and every generation to come. So as a grandparent, you know, you have an opportunity to continue that, set the example. Yeah. Um, you know, don't be afraid to admit your mistakes, be a real person, yeah. be honest, be truthful. And, you know, you're still the one setting the values and beliefs in your family. Yeah. And that's a huge responsibility. That's good. So, yeah, I think that's... I love that. Come on, can we give it up for everybody who took time and invested?